Addressing Sinful Pastoral Leadership on this edition of Truth in Love. I'm Dale Johnson, and you're listening to Truth in Love, a podcast of the Association of Certified Biblical Counselors, where we seek to provide biblical solutions for the problems that people face. This week on the podcast, I am joined by Josh Zajcek. Uh, he's a two-time graduate of the Master's University, Biblical Counseling, Bachelor's Degree, and Master's Degree. He served as a youth pastor and a church planter in his local church, and he's a certified member with ACBC. He's uh, married to his wife, Harmony. They have three kiddos. One of those kiddos is on the way, and excited about that, Josh. He's also a PhD student here at Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, where I serve, and that's the way that we have gotten to know one another and become good friends, even through that process. And listen, I'm excited about some of your doctoral work, and, and you're talking about this particular issue, and uh, you're getting further and further in some of your research, and this has been a topic that you've, you've thought about and, and talked through on a number of occasions, but I want us to dig into it a little bit here today. This is certainly a, an issue that we see facing the church today is is thinking about abusive pastoral leadership or or sinful pastoral leadership, and I, I love the way Josh that you you categorize that. We don't want to get caught in the fray of of the the multi uses of abuse. Not not that some of those things might not be appropriate, but but you're identifying this biblically, saying that sinful pastoral leadership. Now, let me give a caveat before we start, Josh, that I think is really important when we think about uh, earthly authorities. We are not saying that pastors don't have authority. Pastors have authority given by God. But that's not to say that as human authorities, they can't be sinful. Yes, they absolutely can, and those things need to be addressed. Biblically, uh, we have been given ways to address sinful pastoral leadership, and and I'm really excited that we're we're able to address some of these issues and uh, without being polemicized to one side or the other, uh, but to address them the way that the Bible addresses them. And I'm so grateful that we have a God who cares enough to deal with us in in knowing our sinful patterns and sinful ways that He would allow us wisdom from the Scriptures on how to deal with this issue that that is becoming very prevalent even in the church. So. Let's start there. So how do we know when there's a problem? We, we might sort of think that there's a problem in the church. Maybe my pastor's being uh, sinful in some of the ways that he's doing things. We have to be very cautious when bringing about some sort of accusation against our elders. The Bible warns us against doing that just as a one-off. We have to have multiple witnesses and so on. We have to be cautious, but it's at least a legitimate question that we need to be asking. Uh, how do we know when there's a problem? Yeah, and I'm very passionate about this topic. I, I've seen this issue come up a lot in counseling. Um, it's it's a really prevalent issue. Um, we're seeing leaders of not necessarily pastoral leaders, but parachurch leaders and pastors falling from ministry as issues become exposed. And you'd like to think maybe these things wouldn't have happened if someone had gotten involved at the early signs. Mm-hmm. So some of the key things I'm wanting to address ultimately with my doctoral work and um, and even today is we, we try to categorize things. Uh, I think scriptures do this. Um, I think there's a difference between foolishness or preference. Um, sometimes people get very offended, very offended about a preference issue. Uh, the pastor chose to go a different direction with the worship style of music. Um, okay, that's not sinful pastoral leadership. That's just a preference issue. Then we're talking about foolishness. 
um, maybe they're ignoring the concerns of some of the wiser folks in the church who've been around and know how a decision may affect the overall body. Again, this may not be sinful, but it's certainly getting towards the foolish uh, side of the spectrum. But when we look at sin, pastors, yes, they do need to be addressed, as, as you mentioned, First Timothy 5.19, this idea that two witnesses. We don't just bring an accusation against a pastor. They are unique in that sense. Mm -hmm. But in another sense, they are not unique at all. They are sinful human beings with the propensity to, to have evil unbelief in their hearts, as he's, Hebrews 3 talks about. So they, too, are capable of sin. But we need to call it what it is the way the scriptures call it. Mm -hmm. And we can't call something sin that we just don't prefer. Yeah, that's an important, uh, I think, caveat. And we have to be cautious, too, even when there are things that we differ on relative to theological positions and so on that, that we have to be cautious about as well. So uh, with that in mind, I think that helps us to better categorize when something sort of reaches the threshold of what we would call sinful pastoral leadership. So what are some of those examples of sinful pastoral leadership? And what are some examples of, of non-sinful pastoral leadership, pastors just having to make hard calls? And listen, pastors have to make hard calls all the time. Pastors have to make unpopular calls. My goodness, didn't we experience that this past year in 2020 mm -hmm. where uh, guys were having to make decisions on the fly? Nobody's ever dealt with a pandemic to this degree before, and how do we navigate all the issues going on? There are hard calls. So how do we how do we navigate that? What are some examples of sinful pastoral leadership to, to give us some ideas, some, some flesh on the bone to understand what we're talking about here? Yeah, some specific examples. Um, you know, you pastors are often in charge of the finances or have a, a direct hand in the finances of a church. Um, when you understand that a pastor is now spending money uh, designated for ministry on personal items, we start to call it embezzlement, right? There's an actual term. It's not just a, a feeling. It's objectively wrong uh, to take money out of the church uh, for personal use. And you see that. Uh, you see sexual sin, uh, a pastor getting involved physically, emotionally with another, uh, maybe a counselee or uh, another member of the church. These are clear sins. Some of them, and you can distinguish between biblical sin and criminal sin, where, again, a civil authority, even outside of the church, would say this is wrong and charges will be pressed. So when we get that kind of clarity both from the scriptures and outside of scriptures and the civil authority structures, we know something has to be addressed. Yeah, and I think this is really important. And just to sort of put some bumpers on this, a lot of churches don't pay their pastors well. That's not an excuse for embezzlement, but it would be an encouragement to me to say, churches, let's take better care of our pastors. We don't want to be a stumbling block in any type of issue like that, but but pastors need to be held accountable. There there should be expenditures that they can make that are for the sake of their their job and their ministry, but but certainly there's a there's a caveat here. So that's one example. What, what are some examples, uh, some other examples that you might give, and, and how do we distinguish that between non-sinful pastoral leadership? Yeah, and I think harshness, um, anger. So th this is where I see this commonly, even in the, the resurgence of the church planning culture. You know, th there's just a lot of young men who are very passionate for the Lord, and they want to grow His kingdom, and they want to be a part of growing the kingdom. And this is one where I do think it's it falls into this more gray area because people appreciate strong leaders, but strong leaders can lean, have a propensity uh, to harshness okay. and, and uh, 
what we scripture would call this wrathful instinct, right? This wrathful uh, response. They're supposed to be uh, respectful, self-controlled, um, and and uh, managing things with this humility. And so often we're finding that uh, people are just getting very hurt because a pastor said something that was maybe it was preference, maybe it was just a hard call, maybe it was even the right call, but they did it in such a manner that did not exude love, um, kindness. Um, a gentle pastoral spirit. Um, and that's what I'm seeing regularly in, 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 in young pastors, especially. Uh, but then there's times, and I think you referenced this uh, during this whole season with COVID and quarantine, there's a lot of things that are not sinful, but they're maybe against our preferences. And I think every church saw just a split down the middle, masks, no masks, Social distancing, no social distancing, coming back in person, staying home and doing everything digitally. Pastors had to make unique calls individually for their local body. And I think we just have to work hard to believe the best about these non um, uh, sinful decisions that were just them doing the best to exercise wisdom. And I appreciate you bringing up this issue of, of of being harsh. I mean, there are times we're not saying that pastors ought not to be convictional, that there not ought not to be a sense of urgency in the gospel work that we're doing. There ought not to be some sort of vision. We're, we're not saying any of that. What we are saying is we have to be cautious about being selfishly ambitious, thinking that the work is our own and, and that it needs to be done now, today, that the, the timeline of progress we have to, as leaders, give over to the Lord. Things don't always have to get done on our timeline. Sometimes that breeds harsh realities. And for the congregant who's sitting there sort of watching this, I, I think let's be fair. If we see a pattern of these things, it, it, we might need to uh, address this. And uh, But we, we have to be cautious. We're not saying that pastors ought not to be convictional and, and, and so on. So, uh, But I think you make a great point being self-controlled, being gentle, handling things pastorally. We have to know the difference of what God says is good, what God says is evil. Jesus, we see, was convictional, and he was willing to stand against false ideas, sometimes very sternly. Uh, Paul did this as well. Uh, so we, we, we're not saying that that's sinful, but we are saying we have to be cautious, especially in the way in which we handle uh, those that God has entrusted to us. So, okay, let's continue talking about this. And this is probably some of the most concerning things is, is you know, pastors are human beings. They're going to sin and they need to uh, be called out on that, certainly in a biblical way, as you mentioned from from First Timothy. Uh, but what are some of the results that we're seeing consistently from sinful pastoral leadership? Yeah, I think I think what's hard is, um, and again, I'm speaking potentially to more of a church planning culture. Mm-hmm. You have someone who becomes the one who established the church. Mm-hmm. They established the elders. And if you're not careful and you establish a group of men around you who are uh, going to affirm the majority of your decisions, and we don't get a lot of pushback. We don't get a lot of challenge. We don't get a lot of, okay, that's the right decision, but did you communicate it the right way? And probing questions. If you don't establish accountability, even as the senior pastor around you, Mm. there's risk there. For the congregant, I think we need to be careful, uh, of course, to to not call everything sin, just Mm. that we don't like. But when we do identify something um, that is hurtful, I think there is an appropriate uh, methodology laid out in Matthew 18 to go one-on-one mm-hmm. and talk. 
uh, talk one-on-one. -on -one. I don't think we have to wait for someone to have witnessed the harsh behavior to go and address that with our pastor and talk through that. I think you bring that up. Uh, you bring that second person in if it doesn't go well one-on-one. -on -one. Um, that's when the accusations can uh, necessitate a secondary uh, observer. But what we want to do is, is make sure as pastors, we're putting people around us who we allow to speak into our lives, that we invite to speak into our lives, and, and not wait until we're five years into this thing, this church plant, the seven years into this church plant, and we're, it's too big to let go of. And then, and then somebody just removes us because it's, it's overwhelming the amount of cases and hurt mm -hmm. and damage we've done. Yeah. Because the thing that we, we ultimately want as, as in our pastoral leadership is we want something that, that supersedes us. We want something that, that carries on long after we're gone. And that's worth the investment of our life. We want to see the gospel continue. We want to see a solid church continue. So we, we always have to keep that in mind that this is, this is the Lord's work. So, Let's talk for just a second about how people are responding. Now, there are a couple of categories we could think about here to how people are responding to sinful pastoral leadership. And certainly with the discussion that's happening relative to abuse in the broader, broader culture, uh, this is something we can get swept up in. And, and I think there are good ways to respond, right? There are righteous ways to respond, but there are also sinful ways to respond. How are, how are some people responding to this issue of sinful pastoral leadership? Yeah, I think the, the quickest is just to leave the church. If they're hurt and they're offended, they will leave. Others will stay um, and just start to normalize and, um, in a sense, authorize uh, bad, sinful pastoral leadership. They will stay because the pastor told them to. It's, it's God's man. I can't not obey them. Um, I think those are often the extremes. And, and I would say there's a better way. Uh, a better way would be to humbly... Uh, graciously start to follow the process of Matthew 18 with your pastor, just like you would anyone else. And, and I do want to just note too, Dale, that there are pastors out there who are being accused of sinful pastoral leadership um, on, on a regular basis and even being removed from their churches. And they aren't the problem. People can call a pastor um, sinful just for disagreeing with them, just for um, handling things differently than they would have um, over a theological difference. Um, that's minor. Jonathan Edwards, I believe, was kicked out of his church at one point um, over the issue of baptism. Mm -hmm. uh, and so all that to say is I don't want to call everything sinful pastoral leadership. But when it's truly there, Matthew 18 lays it out and it's hard. It's so hard for people that I've worked with to want to confront their pastor. It's, it's just a scary thing. It's like talking to a parent or a, a boss. Yeah, and I think we need to acknowledge that. That's certainly true. And and we, we don't have to, you know, we're not trying to get congregants sort of up in arms. I, I do think we have to see the destructive patterns uh, that are happening here. And, and this is much as an encouragement to pastors who struggle in this area to just be vigilant, to make sure that you're putting proper accountability around you, um, that you are open to these types of of critiques and these types of confrontations, um, that also helps to foster a good uh, culture of care within your church, especially when you're approachable on these types of issues, to acknowledge that you know, you're know as sinful as anybody else and that you you need correction on some of these things at some point and that there are better ways that you can say things you know, to people as well. So um, all good cautions. Let me, let me finish by asking this. What are, what are some of the biblical principles 
uh, that really, maybe we could say it like this, just help to inform the way that we should respond to sinful pastoral leadership. These are guiding principles from the scripture that we would see as non-negotiable that, that really help us to know what are the God-honoring ways that we respond to the, these types of sinful pastoral leadership. I think one of the key passages that is actually informative is a passage to pastors. Um, out of Second Timothy, it says to flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. That's actually uh, that youthful passion in context is mostly talking about avoiding arguing, avoiding uh, contentious fighting over silly things. He goes on in verse 24 uh, to say that the Lord's bondservant, must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach. That means we have to speak truth, patiently enduring evil. That means we have to speak truth even when we may be uh, rejected or um, reacted against in a sinful way, uh, correcting his opponents with gentleness. So we're speaking not just to the truth, but the manner in which we communicate the truth. I think in a sense, the congregant needs to know how to lovingly confront their own pastor and be willing and brave and courageous enough to bring something to the forefront if needed. Uh, and again, I think Matthew 18 is, is the model here. We go one-on-one when things don't go well, uh, especially in the issue of harshness. If they respond to that one-on-one with more harshness, that's when you have to involve another elder. You have to, because they need to see that. I, I do recall being in one context where Uh, It was a he said, he said moment. Uh, The individual was arguing that their pastor had had, was just very unkind, very, very aggressive with them. And uh, they ended up bringing another elder into the conversation. Now you have three parties there and the pastor ultimately slams his mug down on the table at Panera and walks out. And the congregant looks at the, the eyewitness elder and says, well, what do you think now? And uh, that was the turning point. That was the turning point where that other elder's eyes were opened uh, and they were able to see, yes, this this is a problem that we have to address. Yeah, Josh, this has been really helpful just contextually for us to even have a conversation like this. And, and listen, our, our knee-jerk reaction is going to be to say, you know, well, every pastor is, is following sinful pastoral leadership. Please don't hear us say that. We, we are saying that um, we need to be vigilant about these things. The Bible even addresses that that these types of things are possible. But but it doesn't mean that that we need to you know keep pastors from being convictional. It doesn't mean that we need to be as congregants hyper vigilant about all the issues that might come up. And, and that we need to endure some things with grace. And you know, this is just a part of the conversation that we have to be careful with. And listen, what we're guarding is not our personal preferences. We all ought to be guarding the gospel, and that's something that we can agree on. So even if we're addressing a pastor who's who's responding with past, you know sinful pastoral leadership that uh, an appeal to the gospel and helping them to see that there there ought to be some common ground uh, even at a place like that so I think this is helpful at least as a as a starter discussion in how we can respond I, I pray that pastors will hear this and and not hear we're not trying to say don't be convictional but we're, we're saying have the heart of Christ to be gentle to be lowly. To, to be convictional, right? Not to back down on truth, uh, but to do it wisely as we shepherd people well with the heart of Christ. That's really the ultimate goal. Uh, and Josh, thank you for for um, helping us to think through some of these categories and even some of the caveats biblically. Uh, and man, I'm looking forward to the, the work that you're going to do uh, in a doctoral perspective. And, and maybe in, in not too many years, we'll be talking about a, a book that you're releasing on this very subject. So looking forward to that. Thanks, brother, for being with us. Yeah, thanks, Doc. 
You're listening to Truth and Love, a podcast of ACBC. Uh, listen, I am uh, grateful for, for guys like Josh who are willing to talk about these subjects. It, it's so, honestly, it's scary to talk about these kinds of things because uh, you can be, you know, pinged sort of polemicized one side or the other. And Josh, you're just trying to deal with this on such a, a gracious level, but a biblical level to, to acknowledge that there are problems and try not to swing the pendulum all the way in, in another direction. And I pray that um, our listeners will, will hear that. Uh, hear that conversation and, and really begin to think biblically about about some of these things um, that need to be addressed, but we we don't need to be hyper vigilant about. Uh, but our discussion today just sort of reminded me a lot about our annual conference that's coming up, where we're talking about reclaiming a culture of care, and, and often that starts with Christ as our head, following Him as as leader. Uh, and and chief shepherd and pastors following that model, learning to be convictional as Christ was, fending truth, defending the name and glory of God, uh, but doing it in a way that was gentle, kind-hearted, and so on. And that's a part of what we're going to be talking about this year at our annual conference, O Church Arise, Reclaiming a Culture of Care, happening October 4th through the 6th in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, we want, at all, if at all possible, for you to be there in person, but we've also now offered an online option as well. And so uh, go to our website, check out the, the details and those dates. We would love to have you join us uh, where we're going to be talking about this issue, even uh, specifically about pastors and some of the issues that they may be facing and how they lead well to create a culture of care, a biblical culture of care within their church. So will you join us October 4th through the 6th in Charlotte, North Carolina for O Church Arise, Reclaiming a Culture of Care. Find out more about that at biblicalcounseling.com.